Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? And wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. Paul Williams decided to perfect his podcasting studies in the most famous school of broadcasting in Canada. He chose the celebrated academy of Talks Too Much. One day, at 9 in the morning, he left his mom's basement and made it upstairs by 10.40 p.m. local time, only to say, welcome back to the Next Level Network production of Depravity and Fecal Matter. It's What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. I'm your host, Paul Williams, and this is episode 16. And this week's topic... Well, I got a few topics, but main feature, Dario Argento Suspiria from 1977 is on the chopping block. But first, I'm going to complain just a little bit, just a little bit, because I hate this fucking heat. We hit what? It was almost 100 degrees a couple days ago. Too fucking hot for me. I know there's a lot of you out there. You like your heat. You like your summer. Not me. I'm a winter guy. I like my snow. I like my ice, my cold. I like the fact that I can keep warm, where in the summer I can't cool down. I sweat very easy. Not that you really want to know that. Of course, um, what was it? Uh, Jessup from Say You Love Satan. Yeah, I'm shouting you guys out this week. Uh, Apparently he says I podcast in the nude. Um, I want to know how he knows, but that's besides the point. No, Uh, summer sucks for me. I hate the summer. I hate it. I, I'm a bitchy, whiny little brat when it comes to summer. I like my winter. I'm truly Canadian for that. So, 
it is what it is. Uh, it's going to be a long summer if it's... I mean, we didn't even get spring, honestly. We didn't get spring at all. Like, I think we got like two days, a lot of rain, and then, fuck, it's like 100 degrees outside. Jeez, thanks. But, whatever. Um, yes, Say You Love Satan. Thank you very much. Uh, I sponsored their most recent episode. They did the uh, movie Transylvania 65000. And uh, they were really awesome. Gave my podcast a, a shout out. A shout out. A shout out. Can't talk today for some. You didn't notice the theme here, right? Like, I'm a podcaster who can never seem to talk. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, it was really cool. They shouted out uh, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, and that made me extremely happy. They shouted out my dog, Wally. Uh, you have to remember Wally. Wally is, like, you know, the epitome of everything. He's awesome. So. It was really awesome. A great episode from the guys as well. And girls. There's both, you know. Uh, you know, John, Jessup, Steph, and Melissa. It was a great episode. Laughed my ass off. Was really happy with it. And on top of that, you know, like I said, they were really, really fucking cool in mentioning my podcast. I noticed I had a, a few new listeners, or not listeners, but followers on the Facebook page, on the Instagram page, whatnot. So I... I I'm happy about it, and I, I appreciate the, the shout-out, so sending it right back to them. If, if you're not listening to that podcast, I know it's not part of the Next Level Network, but, I mean, come on, good podcasts are good podcasts. It, it deserves its, you know, recognition, so I wanted to just give them, a, you know, a nice, decent shout-out this week. As for this show, uh, got a great show lined up this week. Um going to kick it off obviously with uh you know the speed round of babbling where i uh kind of talk about some films i've watched the past couple weeks uh some horror some not uh but i mean i i, I want to definitely talk about this one just briefly deadpool 2 uh this one is worth it if you have not seen deadpool 2 yet and you were a fan of the first one definitely go see this <laughs> it's funny um I'm not a person who likes to uh, like actually laugh out loud in a theater. I've kind of got like this whole thing where I don't want people knowing I'm there. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to lie. I fucking laughed out loud quite a few times for that movie. There's some really good fucking humor. They did a very good job of matching it to the first film. It's still got its originality. I mean, you've seen one comic book movie. You, you, you know, you've seen them all kind of idea. You can start predicting things. It's a little predictable, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't. And uh, I will definitely say that there is no absolute end cred like credit scene. But during the credits, there's like some like imagery, uh, not imagery, um, like scenes. There's some scenes going on. You definitely want to stick around for those. Uh, <laughs> there's some uh, really good moments in that. So Deadpool two was definitely a definitely a good one uh being i'll probably never actually do an episode on it uh if i had to rate it it's easily an 8 out of 10 i might even go as far as to say an 8.5 out of 10 because if you can actually make me laugh out loud in a theater you're doing something right so kudos to deadpool 2 and ryan reynolds and uh marina baccarin and the whole cast and crew that were behind that it was a great fucking movie now Another movie that I saw in the theaters, and I don't want to beat on this one too long, 
but I did see uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. And here's my thing on it, and I've seen a lot of hatred, I've seen a lot of love for it um, all over the internet. Um, myself, personally, I don't hate this movie. I enjoy it for what it is. You're going into a movie that's a prequel about a character that we already pretty much know his established background. So, yes, it's predictable. There's a lot of things that go on in this movie that you're like, well, I kind of knew that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, there's no stakes, really, in this movie because you know that Han and Chewie live. It, you're not worried about are they going to live or die or anything like that. You know the end result to that. You know that, obviously, Han Solo ends up with the Millennium Falcon. You know that he did the Kessel Run in 12 seconds. So, or, sorry, 12 parsecs. Better get it right. Don't need no Star Wars nerds ripping my nuts off. But the thing is, is, is with Solo, it's just the idea of being able to see everything you always heard about. Uh, there is a, a few twists in there that, you know, we've never actually heard about Han Solo's background and whatnot. Okay, so the best way to approach this movie is this. And you have to understand... Um, What's his name? Alden Ehrenreich was never going to be Harrison Ford. That's probably the the one thing that I walked away from this movie going, okay, I kind of already knew he wasn't going to be that level, like up to that level. He's not bad. You can tell he's trying as like, you know, to be Han Solo, but he's not Han Solo. And that is it's pretty glaring. Like and I know where a lot of people are coming from with their hatred towards this film is, you know, a lot of it is because of that. A lot of it is because of the predictability of the film. And I get it. But there's a lot of, uh, of other stuff going on. It's also nice uh, to watch a movie that takes place in the Star Wars universe that kind of just is there. You get to see other worlds we haven't seen before. You get to see creatures, like, not see creatures, but you get to, you know, see other... Um, like alien life forms and whatnot you get to experience characters we haven't seen before that said i mean okay woody harrelson well he's the fucking man obviously uh it, it, he's what's his name tobias beckett he's pretty fucking cool uh amelia clark as kira she's she's good i i, I can't complain i mean she's a very attractive woman you find her attractive. I know some people are like, she's butt ugly. Okay, well, whatever. Fuck you. I'm, I'm not asking. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. She's she's a fairly attractive woman. And she's a good actress. I mean, I do. And there's a lot of people that hate her on Game of Thrones. I, I don't. I think she's a great actress. And this is definitely a step up from Terminator Genesis, which sadly I did sit through that whole fucking movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was a rough one. I mean... Okay, whatever. I understood the concept behind it, but it didn't work. Um, but I mean, it, Donald Glover is the man in this movie. He he definitely owns Lando uh, Lando Calrissian. He it's like watching a younger B, Billy D. Williams. If you, if, I mean, if you're asking me, anyways. The thing is, is that your main character has to stick, or the movie doesn't work. And that's where there's a huge division with this movie. I mean, I'm seeing more hatred for this movie than I did The Last Jedi. And, I mean, as laughable as The Last Jedi hatred was, um, I mean, I kind of got it. You know, a lot, there's a lot of people that don't remember when Empire Strikes Back came out that everybody hated that one too at one point. So, I mean, I 
<laughs> it's funny. I kind of get it. I think it's funny. And what I don't understand is all this hatred towards Thundercats Roar. Come on, it's a fucking preschool show, okay? Like, 40-year-old men are complaining, hey, you ruined my childhood. Go fuck yourself. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, I, when it comes to cartoons and preschool cartoons like Teen Titans Go, seriously, get over it. It's for kids that are like, you know, three between the ages of three and eight. What the fuck do you care? You're not going to watch it, so shut the hell up. That's my opinion. If I piss someone off, good. You know, grow the fuck up. But uh, getting back to Solo, my personal opinion, I'd say it's about a 6.5 to a 7 out of 10. If I'm ignoring the fact that the guy playing Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, it, he was never going to be Harrison Ford. So you go in with the expectation that, well, he's just going to be playing his version of Harrison Ford. You could possibly call it an 8. But like I said, there's the predictability of it. And so it it kind of hurts the movie but all in all i mean it's just a it's a fun story you can turn your brain off for two hours just have fun watching it seeing you know the millennium falcon and a younger chewbacca and you know whatever uh i don't hate this movie i i don't know that it would be a blu-ray purchase but if i was gonna buy it it'd be on dvd which actually if you know me I, i'm more a dvd guy myself anyways Blu-rays, as, as pretty as they are, it has to be a movie that I absolutely, truly fucking love. Like the one I'm doing this week, Suspiria. That's a Blu-ray release. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like I say, Solo wasn't... It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's not the best. I mean, so take it for what it is. I know there's a lot of hatred towards it. Try to ignore that because some people are just taking it way too fucking extreme. Oh, wait extreme on the internet no <laughs> never oh, anyways moving on uh we'll move past solo now so i finally got my hands on a few dvds that i had been trying to get for the longest time sure i could have bought them online but sometimes the shipping was a little more than i wanted and eh, whatever sometimes i just like going into a store and purchasing things because I can't do uh you know vhs rentals anymore god i miss those days going in there and box art everything. I know I've said it many times on this podcast but anyways so I got my hands on two movies uh, that I've been trying to get my hands on for a while and last Saturday I spent the night watching them and laughed my ass off like I always do um, Frank uh, Lauder's Frankenhooker and the movie Street Trash and Street Trash I don't know I don't know if you guys heard the story about that one so for some reason or another, this movie eluded me for the longest time. I had never heard of it. Didn't even know this movie existed. And um, getting back to Say You Love Satan again, they were doing an episode on Savage Streets uh, for their podcast. So I, I like watching the movies before the episodes come out and whatnot. So I'm kind of refreshed on the, on the movies. And for some reason, when I was... Um, like looking it up on the internet to find uh, Savage Streets, see if it was on YouTube or whatever, I wrote Street Trash by accident. Ended up finding out about this movie, watched it, and was like, holy shit, this is like the greatest pile of cheese I've ever seen in my life. I love this movie. So I've been on the lookout for it for some time. Finally found it on DVD. It's the uh, Synapsis Film 2K Restoration. It looks really good on DVD, I will say that. I know, sure, if I had Blu-ray, it would look even better, but it looks, it still looks really good. Um, 
very good restoration they did on it. Same with Frankenhooker is the same thing. It's a synopsis film um, restoration, and both DVDs looked fucking great. I, I was really impressed with the quality, but I was even more impressed with how much I laughed my ass off at these movies, including Frankenhooker, which I hadn't seen shit, I want to say at least 10 to 15 years. It had been a while since I seen that. And I forgot about how much I fucking love that movie. Like, and the interesting thing was, was I didn't actually correlate in my mind that James Lorenz was in both films. So it was like, oh shit. I'm watching it and realizing he's in both of them. I'm like, oh, God damn it. But, um, yeah, I, I, both, both movies will eventually be episodes on this, uh, on this podcast. So I'm not necessarily going to go too, uh, in depth with ratings and, my overall thoughts because you're going to wait for that but um that's if you're still listening to this uh, podcast by that point but uh anyways no it it was it was fun to uh to go back and watch those films again street trash that is it's a it's something else but i love it i i think that movie is so much fun it's not your typical movie that you you know it's not it's definitely not a mainstream film that's for sure but i kind of like it that it's not um i don't get me wrong i'm I'm not one of those like edgy kids that's like hey i hate the mainstream man but sometimes the underground in independent shit is just a lot better that said so uh one more thing that i did watch i just kind of wanted to talk about really quickly uh, the Toys That Made Us uh, released their season two on Netflix. And as much as I don't... Okay, the first season, like three of the four episodes were like kids, uh, kids uh, toys that I grew up with as a kid. So I was very invested in it. And don't get me wrong, it's not that I didn't grow up with Legos. Every kid grew up with Legos, at least you would hope. Although I've seen some things that make me wonder otherwise. Please, certain people in this world that don't know how to, you know, build a normal pallet. If you work in, you know, retail or warehousing and you can't build a normal pallet, don't go into house building, that's for sure. But anyways, moving on from that point, those of you who know me really personally will get the get the joke. But, um, no, I mean, and I had Legos as a kid and whatnot, but I mean, to hear about their history, I'm definitely going to watch it, but it's just, it's not something that I'm like, oh shit, I can't wait. Um, but the Transformers episode, I was like, oh fuck, yes, I'm in on that one. And like, I, I, to get back to my point about season one, season one had three out of four episodes. I didn't care so much for the Barbie episode, but, you know, G.I. Joe, uh, Star Wars, and He-Man are three toys that like literally defined three quarters of my childhood you know um anyways i getting to this week's point uh transformers episode i did uh take that one in i watched it uh very interesting a lot of stuff that i didn't know um i was unaware of just how much the japanese market affected the north american market uh, but damn i i Japanese just know how to do robots and kaiju so fucking well, and I love them for it. I really do. That it, 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 you know, the Transformers episode is probably going to be my favorite of season two, obviously, because I grew up with Transformers toys. But I gotta say, the toys that made us—that is 
a series I did not know I wanted, and once I got it, it's like I need more and more and more and more. I can't. I'm hoping they do like a whole bunch of different lines. I'm hoping for at least you know. I'd like you know another two, three seasons of this. I could enjoy it. Definitely do Thundercats, and then you know show like Thundercats roar just so I can hear all the forty-year-olds cry like fucking whining babies. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Anyways, uh, Lurker's recommendation of the week, and then we'll get into the uh, main feature of the week. I know I'm very uh this week. <laughs> I should explain the reason why the episode is a little bit later this week but uh, as well. Uh, so uh, at my job, I, I work a midnight like graveyard shift, but they've switched my days off. So before I used to get like my nights off were Sundays and Mondays. Well, now it's Fridays and Saturdays and I'm still not adjusted to it. So my sleep is kind of fucked up. And on top of that, I keep thinking I'm supposed to go to work when I'm not. So there's certain nights I get up and then it's like, oh shit, I don't work tonight. And then there's other nights where I'm like racing around with 15 minutes to go before I have to be at work because I forgot, oh shit, I have to work. So I'm trying to get used to that. And last week, uh, last weekend as well, Wally had vet appointments. So my sleep got broken up because of that, which is not his fault. I mean, I want him to be healthy, right? So that's the important thing. But the last couple of weeks has been uh, trying to figure out when to do things and trying to remember what days are which i'm kind of at a clusterfuck of you know my days of the weeks and stuff like that so anyways that's why the episode's coming late that's why this week i apologize i know i'm very much uh and like and um and i i know i'm kind of out of it so i apologize but i still wanted to bring you guys a, a, a decent episode this week and my lurkers recommendation of the week which i will be featuring a track from their from their latest album at the end of this episode um an individual artist by the name of gormal that's his uh that's his stage name i guess you would call it uh recently released um an album a dark wave synth wave album uh called graveyard diner and i heard about it uh I'm trying to remember the Facebook page. Cryptees. Cryptees had posted about Gormal's uh, Graveyard Diner and wrote that they were hooked on the album. Well, that kind of got my curiosity peaked. So I went on Bandcamp, looked them up, found the album, and gave it you know, a quick sampling. I was like, all right, let's see what this is like. Very impressed with what I heard. The thing is, is that as each listening, like each time I've listened to it, I've enjoyed the album more and more and more. Now I'm hooked on it. And I can see how, you know, the people behind Cryptes got hooked on it. I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I want to feature, a, you know, a small recommendation. I'm going to put one of the tracks at the end of the episode. Probably Eyeball Soup, because I think that's my favorite one right now. And I'm just going to, you know, allow you guys to hear a little sampling of it and whatnot. But I wanted to recommend, if you are into, like, the 80s synthwave or anything that's, like, horror-inspired... Uh, check it, check it out. Like, I mean, you can listen to it for free, like the first time on Bandcamp, you know, sampling it and whatnot. So do that. See if it's something that you would definitely like. Cause holy shit, I'm hooked on it, and I can't stop listening to it. And so I was like, you know what? That's gonna be my lurker's recommendation of the week. But now it's time to take a trip to Italy with a lot of colors. Uh, <laughs> You'll get that when we start the 
segment, I guess. I'm really sorry. Hey, wow, I... Woo! You'd think I was, like, you know, doing some fucked up drugs, but no, completely sober. And the only thing that I'm hooked on right now is coffee. So... But anyways, yeah, it's trailer time. We're going to spin the trailer for Suspiria, which is a weird one, but whatever. I fucking love this movie. I'm, I'm going to tell you that now, because you'll be able to tell when I start talking about it. And when we come back, Suspiria by Dario Argento. Back in a moment. Roses are red, violets are blue. This is the flower that will mean the end of it. You can run from Suspiria. You can hide from Suspiria. You cannot escape Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Susie? Sarah? I once read that names which begin with the letter S are the names of snakes. <laughs> Dario Argento's Suspiria from 1977. Released in Italy February 1st, 1977. In the United States August 12th, 1977. Here in Canada a year later. December 1978. Fuck. Really? Whatever. Who cares? So, film is directed by Dario Argento. Written by Dario Argento and Daria Nicolodi. Also inspired by an essay or a book by Thomas De Quincey. Produced by Claudio and Salvatore Argento. Music that you're hearing in the background. Kick-ass soundtrack. Music done by Dario Argento and the band Goblin. Goblin kick fucking ass. Don't ever say they don't because they do. Uh, Cinematography by Luciano Tavoli. And I wanted to write more credits like casting casting directors and special effects and whatnot. And I realized there was a lot of names I was not going to be able to pronounce. And I would have I would have felt like I was disrespecting those people if I did that. I always feel like a fucking tool for the fact that I can't, you know, pronunciate names that well. So I avoided it. There was a few more credits I wanted to write, but I didn't want to make an ass of myself. <laughs> more than I already do. So, yeah. That said, isn't this great music? I hope you guys can hear it in the background. I try. I kind of turned it up a little bit. This, this theme song fucking kicks ass. But. Anyways, so... Starring cast. Jessica Harper. As Susie Banyan. And I love this one. 
I, she, eh, I don't want to say she's the only reason I watch this movie because there's a lot of reasons I watch this movie, but I do like her in this. There's that one line actually where uh, somebody says, oh, fuck, and I can't remember the exact quotation, where she says, uh, you're a strong-willed woman. I like that, you know, you're... Once you set your mind to something, nothing can change it and whatnot. And I like the fact that like Jessica Harper does a great job of portraying that in Susie Daniel. She does a wonderful job with it. Uh, she's also been in films like Shock Treatment, uh, Minority Report, uh, Phantom of the Paradise with Paul Williams. Not me. No, no. Uh, for those of you who might know, I'm assuming most of you do, but Paul Williams is actually like this little like short blonde-haired guy. He's the voice of the Penguin on Batman, the animated series. Uh, but he also, he's done, uh, well, he was in uh, Oliver Stone's uh, movie, The Doors. He played uh, Andy Warhol's, like, little aide or, like, secretary kind of guy or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, if you've seen that uh, movie from my childhood from, like, I think it was, like, six or seven or whatever. There was this Christmas movie. I know, me and my, I have this thing, you know, I'm totally not religious. I'm atheist. I don't believe in God or anything like that, but I love Christmas for some reason. I, I, I can't tell you why, I just do. And I have my whole life. It's always been like that. I love Christmas cartoons. I love the whole idea of Christmas and everything. I don't get so much into the whole commercialized bullshit of it. Like, whatever. I, my gift to everyone is my existence. <laughs> wow, that's a horrible gift. But anyways. Anyways, so there was this movie uh, when I was a kid called The Night They Saved Christmas. Paul Williams is in it. Uh, fuck. Uh, Art Carney, I think, is in it. And Jacqueline Smith. I know it's sad that I remember this, but I do because, like I said, Christmas was some one of those things that always stood out for me as a kid. Anyways, I think it came out like I was maybe six or seven or something like that. I was really young. And I remember when I saw it and I saw my name pop up on the screen and I was all excited. And my mom thought it was cute because I was like, look, mom, look, I'm in this movie. And yeah, I, you know, sometimes I look back, I kind of wish I had gotten into acting or stuff like that because I like being goofy and whatnot. But whatever, I'm a podcaster and I enjoy the shit. So moving on, though, with the cast, because I could ramble on forever. Uh, Stefania Cassini is Sarah and she was in a lot of Italian films and Andy Warhol's Bad which I have not seen Andy Warhol's Bad but knowing how fucked up Andy Warhol was I kind of want to I don't know I, I've never seen a Warhol film and I feel like I'm missing out on something here so knowing she's in this maybe this is the one I check out I don't know I, I know Andy Warhol also did Frankenstein and that Kind of intrigues me. <laughs> um, let's see. Flavio Bucci as Daniel. And again, uh, a ton of Italian films that I couldn't pronunciate. So it was like, nope, not happening. Uh, so I apologize. I, I didn't write down movies he was in. Uh, same with Miguel Bose as Mark. Again, in a lot of Italian films that I can't pronounce. So... Uh-uh, not happening. Uh, Barbara Magnolfi. Magnolfi. I know I'm saying it wrong. Anyways, she's Olga. She's the one that makes that quote at the beginning that I was like, Susie, Sarah, uh, the whole S thing and whatnot. Uh, she makes that quote. It's fucking hilarious, too. And uh, 
it's such an eye-rolling moment, but I, I still laugh my ass off. Uh, a name that I can pronounce, and we do know him, uh, Udo Kier as Dark, uh, Dark, <laughs> Dr. Frank Mandel. I was looking at Dr. and Frank, and somehow Dark came out. Um, he's been in a lot of shit, a lot of shit. He had a really long IMDb. Some of the things I noticed he was in, though, he was in Blood for Dracula, uh, Ace Ventura, the Pet Detective, and not the Pet Detective. <sighs> Fuck. Moving on. God. Johnny Mnemonic. He was in that. He was in Blade. He was in Rob Zombie's Halloween and The Lords of Salem. I have not seen The Lords of Salem and Rob Zombie's Halloween. Well, you guys know. I, I, not, I don't want to always sound like I'm dissing on the poor guy. I mean, he does what he does. Just, I wish he was better at it. That's all. And let's see. Joan Bennett as Madame Blanc. She, uh... Primarily known for Dark Shadows, the TV series. And uh, I also wrote down she passed away December 7th, 1990. Uh, she was an actress more known from, uh, whatchamacallit, like the, she, I think like her first acting credit was like way back in like 1920. So she, uh, yeah, she, she was an older actress, you know, and, uh, there was a lot of films I could have I could have written in here, but I didn't know them. I figured most other people didn't know them. Of course, I'm sure a lot of you are a lot smarter than me, but whatever. Uh, last casting uh, name that I wrote down is Alita Valley. Again, she was in uh, she was in a lot of uh, earlier films from like you know 1920s, 30s, 40s. Uh, she plays Miss Tanner in this. Uh, she's an interesting character. I. How to describe her? She, you know, and it for it for the life of me, it's been bothering me because since I I, I rewatched the film last Saturday, as a matter of fact, same day I watched uh, Frankenhooker and Street Trash, and for the life of me, I can't remember who it is she reminds me of, and I can see this actress in my mind. And for the life of me, I cannot remember her name. And it's it's one of those things where, like, even, like, trying to Google, like, where I've seen her from or whatever, it's not coming to me. But anyways, she's, she's like, kind of like the Nazi-like character in, in uh, Suspiria. She does it very well. And I, I don't know. It, it's This is the only film I've ever seen her in, but I just, I, I, I like... I like the way she portrays it. It, it. She's kind of badass. Like, but moving on. Like, I I'll be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, so the synopsis for Suspiria is: an American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy comes to realize that the school is a front for something sinister amid a series of grisly murders. Um, yes, this is uh, it's kind of interesting. If you're not a diehard horror fanatic, this is probably going to be a little bit of a rough go for you. This movie can be a little, uh, could be a little rough on you. Uh, If you are a horror fanatic like myself and like many others, let's put it this way. We watch this. We probably don't get too scared, but we enjoy the shit out of it. Uh, Ratings as uh, found on the internet. My favorite place in the world. I say that with a lot of sarcasm. But uh, 
IMDb has this rated at a 7.5 out of 10. That's pretty pretty fucking good, especially for IMDb, where people like to be really harsh. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 92% approved, uh, like 92% fresh. I'm impressed. As a matter of fact, Rotten Tomatoes has the highest rating of the four places I grabbed ratings from. So, wow, I'm actually not bitching about them. Uh, Metacritic has it at uh, 79% approved, and 87% of Google users approve this film. It better. It should say 100%, but whatever. I get it. You know, there are some, and I did read some comments from people that, you know, they did not like this movie. It is what it is, you know. Yeah, I admit, like, this movie can be a bit of a slow burn, so I, I, I get it. I get it. Whatever. Uh, the film made $1.8 million in initial rental sales in North America. So that, that's a little stat I picked up as well. So, uh, how am I going to do this? I wrote a bunch of shit down. So this is kind of, uh, it's not so much the blood, the gore, and the fugly. It's just uh, some like trivia uh, notes and you know things about the film. And then we'll get into my thoughts on the film. This film is the first of the Argento trilogy known as The Three Mothers. Uh, the other films included in that are Inferno and The Mother of Tears. I am not going to lie. I have not seen The Mother of Tears, uh, which is probably really bad on my part. But I have seen Inferno. I like Inferno. Um, I like most Argento films. I'm I'm not going to lie. I, it, Tenebrae is definitely up there. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I will say, though, that I, I, I do think that um, Suspiria is probably my favorite, probably because I it's the fir- it was the first Argento I actually saw, and it's just, <laughs> it's something that I, I have returned to many times. I think I, I kind of mentioned it on last week's episode. I had, like, a really, like, shitty quality DVD of it. I mentioned this in my notes as well, but, um, yeah, like, it... it and I still watched it. I mean, the the colors weren't vibrant. It was, you know, the side the sides of the screen were cut off. Like it was like the uh, what is it four to, four to three ratio uh, for screen and whatnot. It it wasn't a good DVD at all. But whatever. I still watched it. I still loved the movie. I do like the gore in the film and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I've seen Inferno. I have not seen The Mother of Tears. That is probably something I I should do. Uh, Suspiria was one of the most successful feature films from Argento's uh, library, receiving uh, a lot of uh, critical uh, acknowledgement for its visual, um, visual and stylistic flair, uh, the use of vibrant colors, which I do mention quite a bit during this, and obviously, as you heard the theme song, um, the score done by Goblin. I think uh, Suspiria and probably Dawn of the Dead are my two favorite Goblin soundtracks. I have both of them. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'd have to say probably those two are my two favorites. Uh, Suspiria was nominated for two Saturn Awards uh, for Best Supporting Actress in Joan Bennett. And what else? I wrote this down. Best DVD classic film release in 2002. So that's pretty cool. 
Uh, although, well, I'm trying to think because that DVD I think was widescreen. I don't think that one was full screen like my shitty version. Uh, it's uh, obviously a cult classic. Um, it, this is one of the most, uh, well, it's listed as one of the most influential films in the horror genre. Uh, so, and I did write down that about the reboot, uh, director Luca, oh Jesus Christ, Luca G, I'm not going to try to say this last name, Jesus Christ, like I'd be killing myself. And I know some people, it probably rolls out their tongue nice and, you know, smooth. It won't for me. So, uh, anyways, uh, the filming did wrap up in 2017. The film is coming out sometime this year. Uh, Dakota Johnson is in it. She's uh, from those, uh, uh, what is it, Fifty Shades films or what not, what not. Yeah, not my style, but whatever. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is in it. Mia Goth, Tilda, Tilda Swinton, and like I had mentioned earlier, Jessica Harper will have a secondary role as well. Uh, this version, though, the 1977 version, was shot using anamorphic lenses. And they used, um, so to get the, the primary colors, like um, like the reds, the blues, and the greens, specifically the reds, though, uh, they wanted to, it, they used a lot of that to set, uh, to give it like a, a, a darker, scarier setting. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say it made it scarier, but it was definitely, it, fuck. The Blu-ray release, this fucking thing like glows off your TV. It's beautiful. Anyways, uh, to do that, they used uh, saturated uh, Technicolor prints, which was, uh, it's kind of different than just your uh, average, like, you know, um, well, in this day and age, we, everything's done digitally, but it was a little bit, it was done a little bit differently than like the normal film. uh, So it, it helped to emphasize the colors. Uh, this was one of the last feature films to use that process of the like using the uh, saturated Technicolor, and it was uh, one of the last films record uh, recorded using a um, a Technicolor three strip camera. Uh, so I think they said it was like one of the last remaining ones in Europe at that time. Uh, I guess oh, where did they say uh, the rest were sent to California? I think it is. So, yeah, in Italy, it was, like, one of the last Technicolor cameras, and that's what they used. Uh, Now, Jessica Harper, in the commentary for the 25th anniversary uh, DVD and Blu-ray, she made mention about uh, the actor's dialogue. I kind of hinted at that as well, but um, she was just basically saying that uh, they, they never... As they, as she put it, it wasn't properly recorded uh, because especially Italian films, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before or not, but uh, Italian films, um, a lot of the times they they don't really record the the vocals because a lot of the actors they get are from all over. Like in this film, you had U.S. actors, you had uh, French actors, I think, Italian actors and German actors. And when they speak their lines, they all speak in their own native tongue, which I, I give these actors credit because they go based off of like just knowing their scenes, trying to understand what the person is saying. Uh, and they they do it pretty good. But the thing is, is that then when they go and they redub the uh, like the, the vocals, it's done in either Engli- all English or all Italian or whatever. Um, 
So like some of her lines, like she's speaking in English and other American actors were speaking in English, but you'll notice when you're watching the dubbing that all of a sudden, like when you get like a German actor or an Italian actor, their words are coming out in English, but their mouth isn't moving with the words. Uh, it's it's something that like I, I kind of hinted at it in my notes. It's a bit of a detractor sometimes, but it's understandable. And that was the way that Italian films were done back in those days because they didn't specifically have like you know everyone learn all one language. Instead, they you know okay, uh, Jessica, you're from America. You'll speak in English. Uh, you know. Stefani, you, you, you're from Italy, you'll speak in Italian and stuff. Like, I think I was, I always find, find this very interesting because it, it, to think that, you know, you have people speaking at you in, you know, other native tongues and you're able to still, like, act off of that. that that's pretty impressive. So, so I made, made note of that. And that's pretty much about it for like the trivia and whatnot so now my thoughts on the film and my rating and then we'll get into headlines and i'll get the fuck out of here how's that sound uh so the blood the gore and the fugly my thoughts my thoughts my thoughts my very first thought is this movie is in all capital letters beautifully shot there are some detractors in this film and this film is not a perfect film but I have no problem getting through this movie, even for the things that kind of bother me, because it is so beautiful to look at. And now that I have, like, the Synapsis Films uh, Restoration Blu-ray, holy shit. This thing was, like... I think my eyes, like, felt like they were living for the first time because they were seeing this movie in a way... I've never seen it this beautiful in my life. Like I said, I have like a crappy DVD before this. Oh man! Like, and I'll—I'm I'll, not gonna lie. I'm kind of old school. I like my VHS. I like my DVD. I like movies that don't have like perfect quality. I know it seems kind of weird in this era. A lot of people are all into digital and Blu-ray and you know 4K and all this other shit. For me, it's like, I, I'm okay with it looking a little blurry. I'm okay with it looking grainy and whatnot. For me, it kind of gives that old film feel to it. This is one film where I'll say, having the 4K restoration, uh, no, thank you very much. I am so glad to have this Blu-ray now. The colors are magnificent. The 4K restoration that Synapsis Film did, uh, epic scale. They did this so well, and... I have um I have the one disc version which I kind of hate myself for I I should have bought the two disc version but uh, having a dog that has health problems you tend to keep money uh, you know stashed away you keep, you you hold on to some money because I never know when something's going to come up with him so it was like you know what as much as I want that two disc version let's not be stupid here I already spoil myself way too much with movies as it is i I need another bookcase (laughs) i keep getting more bookcases and it's not enough the films just keep adding on so it's like you know what i'm not i may watch the special features once and i'd never watch them again so it was like (sighs) fuck it just get the one disc i have the movie i will watch that movie over and over so 
I'm happy with that. But I kind of wish I had the two disc version. But like I said, uh, originally I had the DVD that was uh, actually part of the Guillotine Films line of DVDs. A full screen format or like, you know, four to three ratio, very grainy, very diluted looking. The colors didn't like, you know, flash off the screen and whatnot. And then I get the 4K restoration and it's like, it was like watching a a whole new film. Absolutely beautiful. I definitely recommend you, if you're not going to get the two disc version, at least get the one disc version like I did, you know, just have this movie in 4K because it's fucking beautiful. The dubbing, uh, I did mention bit of a detractor it, it knowing the process behind it as i was explaining earlier like knowing the process behind it knowing how these actors are working off you know other native tongues is quite a, quite impressive but at the same time like it is i'm not gonna lie some of the dubbing is like really bad but then again i with how beautiful this movie looks, once the visuals start kicking in, like you, you forget about the dubbing. You honestly do. Like by the end of the movie, I pretty much don't even notice it anymore. Uh, and so I wrote this down as well because it's kind of interesting. It I look at it as a detractor, and I also look at it as something that I find very adoring and uh, like uh, like adorable and charming in this film is the whole S names mean snake part. So the way it's acted, it looks like two completely amateur actors just, you know, hamming it up at a scale of fucking 12 out of 10. But it's so fucking funny at the same time. And you could like, like just knowing how stupid humanity is. Sorry, guys, but I really don't like humans. But <laughs> well, no, I like cool humans, but there's quite a few in this world that suck ass. Anyways, moving on. Just knowing that I I could see like people I know, I could see people in the real world acting this fucking stupid. I find this scene hilarious, but it's so it, like I just want to roll my eyes every time because I'm like, wow, they really ham that one up. So it's interesting because that scene in the film, I'm always like, oh, this is so bad. Oh god, I fucking love this. It's like it's a detractor and. Uh, a positive at the same time so kind of mentioned that the blood uh going on with the visuals a bit here the blood and the gore so the gore is great uh there's some uh, really cool death scenes uh especially one of the uh earlier death scenes in the film where we see a victim having her heart stabbed at and her heart is actually exposed like the chest like has like almost like a hole in it and you see the heart still beating and stuff i don't want to i'm not good with medical shit so i'm not going to tell you whether or not that's actually legitimate but i just i i love seeing like the the knife like stabbing at the heart and i'm like ooh that's kind of fucking cool like i mean the thing is is the blood looks kind of fake in this movie it's very uh, fire engine red <laughs> it's really bright you can tell it's like paint um but I kind of don't care, you know, it, 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 the story is what counts. And what's really good about this movie is that the whole idea of the plot, the, the storyline to it is very easy to follow. It's very basic. Susie goes to a school to hone her, you know, ballet skills. And there's a dark nature to the place. You know, everything feels a little off. And, you know, you come to find out that it's it, the school is a front for witchcraft. 
there's not much more you need to know about the film. Like once you know that, you you get the idea and the basis behind the film. The thing is, though, is that and I will even say this myself: there are certain scenes that kind of drag out. Um, I've seen a lot of people complain that the the pacing of the film seems off and whatnot. It does at times. I'm not gonna lie. It, as I mentioned last week with the Boneyard, you know, okay, the difference is Suspiria doesn't have a slow start. It kind of kicks off, you know, right away and whatnot. And I mean, from the opening screens, when you see like the visuals and the airport and when she's standing out in the rain and stuff, and it just, it looks really cool. Like um, a lot of wind, kind of like Phenomena. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and if you've seen Phenomena, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, like... It there are slow parts to this film, uh, as with the Boneyard. Like I had said last week, like the Boneyard starts off slow but then picks up. Suspiria, on the other hand, is kind of up and down. Like it, there's some good, you know, really cool moments, uh, and then there's some other moments where it's like, okay, this this could have been summed up in you know a couple minutes, like shorter than it actually is. Uh, there's a cool maggot scene. Uh, which is kind of funny at the same time because like it's kind of weird too because especially now with blu-ray holy shit like i never realized that there was like this hinting moment before the maggots actually start falling um you can actually see little tiny things dropping i never noticed this before my dvd was not this clear at all so i didn't even notice but there's one part where uh one of the girls is like doing her hair or whatnot and if you look really closely, you see maggots. Well, you see something. You don't know it's maggots at that time, but you see like the maggots. Like there's a few falling from the ceiling and whatnot. My DVD was never that clear, so I never noticed that before. And then I'm watching the Blu-ray. I'm like, holy shit! Like it, there's like this whole foreshadowing moment before it actually you know kicks in. Uh, the maggot scene is funny. I, I find it hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's. <sighs> Things don't gross me out uh, in this movie. Uh, there's nothing that is uh, very scary about this movie. I just think it's very atmospheric. I, I, I love the feeling. Uh, there's a, a nice buildup of tension, which sometimes I think also uh, explains the whole slow pace. Sometimes it slows down so it can build up that tension. So I get that as well. Uh, so I definitely had to mention this. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, you heard it playing in the background, the music. (sighs) Trying to pick between this or Dawn of the Dead is very hard for me because both soundtracks are very iconic for me. And they were the two first soundtracks I was uh, introduced. uh, Like I had the band Goblin introduced to me through those two soundtracks. To this day, I still have both of them. They are constantly on any device that I have, whether it's an MP3 player, my phone, uh, my computer. Uh, I'm constantly, constantly have those. They're they're always there. Uh, Dawn of the Dead I have on vinyl. Uh, Suspiria I hope one day to have on vinyl. I can honestly say that I don't have it yet, but I want it. So if anyone has one, I don't even know if it, you know, I honestly didn't check to see if it has been released on vinyl. I'm pretty sure it has. What the fuck am I talking about? Don't be stupid, Paul. But uh, the music, the music is perfect. The music is like its own cast member in this. Um, 
in many cases with this film it it almost adds in telling the story at times it's nice and soft with the do, 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 do. Well, i know i'm doing that fucking horrible but whatever and then there's like some lag you know uh like almost like witch chanting you know like Whoa! i know that's really scary and all of your speakers just broke but fuck you all i don't care that was kind of fun i might do that yeah i know doesn't that sound like it? Fuck, I don't even know if I want to like know what that sounded like, but whatever. Fuck off. I love you all. Fuck off, though. Seriously. Um. Okay. So straying off topic here. Back to the music. Um. So yeah, but the music is, uh, okay. Kind of like with a quiet place, how the silence was like its own cast member. Well, with this one, the the music is like its own cast member. And it's constantly there. Like you constantly, it, sometimes the music is going, you don't even realize it's going because it just, it blends into to the movie just so perfectly. Uh, as a matter of fact, like the main title theme uh, was named as one of the best songs released between 1977 and 1979. Uh, there's a book called the pitch, the pitchfork 500, our guide to the greatest songs from punk to the present. Uh, and for those of you who uh, have been on the website Pitchfork, they're the ones that uh, released the book. And Goblin's theme song for Suspiria was uh, one of the best songs released, according to them. So, that, I mean, that's no surprise. Honestly, it's such an iconic theme. Uh, Phenomena is another one that has like a very iconic theme. Uh, Goblin just know how to... They just... Know, you know, Fabio Fritzi, Claudio Simonetti, and these guys, they know how to make fucking good music. And sadly, there's so many people in the North American market that are not aware of them. And it's like, how can you not know who Goblin are? But they don't. Or sometimes they're called The Goblins. I've seen that too. I I just refer to them as Goblin. Fuck it. Um, So yeah, so Joan Bennett, uh, kind of getting back to the actors, I'm kind of all over the place here. I didn't realize how bad my notes were till I'm reading them now. But uh, Joan Bennett, uh, she's great as Madame Madame Blanc. Her acting sometimes seems kind of weird, but it's I think it's I think it's done intentionally. I think she's supposed to have kind of like this off feeling to her. Uh, Alita Valley, like as I said, Miss Tanner, she's the She's kind of like the Nazi like ringleader of like you know the the dance academy and whatnot. She she's really cool. Um, I find her very interesting in this film. Uh, I don't know if it's because she's got kind of like that um, like that demanding approach to her character. Like she she seems like you know she could pretty much kick the shit out of anyone in this movie really badass whatnot uh so let's see what else do i have left to read here so it's been noted and i could have actually written this in the trivia section but so our it argento is quoted several times uh, saying that uh classic disney movies like snow white and alice in wonderland were uh an influence to this to this film that especially the whole Alice in Wonderland references. I see a lot of people say they see the Snow White references in this. I see a bit of it, but I notice more the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. Like, like Susie is like, she's gone to this dance Academy, which to me feels like a Wonderland. 
And it's like, it's just, she's falling down this hole. Um, and I, f- I feel like that's a better description of this film than the Snow White references, which I I even had, like, in terms of the color schemes, I guess I get it with Snow White, like how, it, you know, the look of it and whatnot. But I don't feel a Snow White theme with this as much as I do in Alice in Wonderland. And Alice in Wonderland is probably, that one and Sleeping Beauty are probably my two favorite Disney films of all time. I know, it's kind of weird. And Fox and the Hound. Gotta love Fox and the Hound. Fuck. That movie makes me cry. I'm not going to lie. A grown man, 42 years old, if I watch Fox and the Hound, I'm going to fucking cry. Fuck you, I don't care if you like that or not. Or if you know you want to make fun of me, go right ahead. I don't Go fuck yourself. Fox and the Hound is a beautiful fucking movie. And I cry. I'm not lying. Anyways. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I definitely see the Alice in Wonderland. Um, like, I get that feel from it more than I do Snow White. But, like I said, the, the, the coloring... And I will, I will emphasize the fucking shit out of this. The coloring in this film is fucking amazing. So, yeah... I'm going to sum this up. I've kind of babbled on long enough, and I think I hit pretty much everything I I wrote. I don't see anything that I missed. So uh, this movie is not the greatest of all time. I'm not going to say that. It's not, you know, it's it's not The Exorcist, which even at that, you know, people always say The Exorcist is the greatest movie of, the greatest horror movie of all time and whatnot. I don't think so. That's not not in my opinion. I don't know if I have a, a true... Honest to God, number one favorite because I just love so many movies. It's kind of hard. Like I usually go to Return of the Living Dead. That's usually my go-to. But I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing is fucking amazing. This is a good movie. I, I'm not. I definitely won't, don't want to take this out of the running. Uh, as blooper filled as it is, and as low budget as it is, John Carpenter's Halloween. I I, I I'm not gonna lie. I'm a huge Carpenter fan. I'm a huge Craven fan. Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three are two of my, you know, all-time favorite movies. I don't know if I actually have a true number one favorite. I usually, most people, if they ask me, I just tell them Return of the Living Dead because I think I've watched that movie more than any other horror movie ever. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if I have an absolute favorite. Gremlins is up there, even though Gremlins. I don't. Some people consider it horror. Some don't. Whatever. But anyways, this movie may not be the greatest of all time, but it's definitely worth like owning in the best quality you can get. Now that I've had the Blu-ray, I probably will never touch my DVD again. Um, I'll probably keep it just for the fact, but uh, I don't think I will ever watch that again now that I've seen the Blu-ray. And like I said, I'm I'm very old school. I like my VHS. I like my blurry DVDs and whatnot, but this is one movie that I will definitely watch on blu-ray from like you know from this point on uh my rating on suspiria eight out of ten i like i said i don't think it's a perfect film there are some things that do detract from it whatnot uh as many times as i've seen this film i don't notice them as much anymore but knowing i was doing this review it was like okay i gotta kind of pay attention to the details and like i said like the dubbing kind of is a a bit of a throw-off for me, um, obviously not as bad as other films. I've seen some pretty atrocious dubbed films, but um, the dubbing is not horrible, but it is noticeable. 
And like I said, like some of the gore, like the blood, you can tell it's paint. It's not real blood and whatnot. Uh, it doesn't even like come close to some of the fake blood we have today and whatnot. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that's that. Uh, eight out of ten. Uh, I really don't know what else to say except that if you don't have it yet, uh, I would, I would even surpass like watching it, uh, like streaming it wherever. I know that uh, you can stream it on. I think it's. Tubi TV has it. Uh, Popcorn Flix has it. Uh, obviously, Amazon and iTunes has it. So, I mean, if you want to stream it first to make sure that you like it, I mean, most most people listening to this review right now, you've all seen this movie already. You're just listening to me babble about it, but, you know, probably, like, <laughs> wondering, like, why the fuck I talk so long about it. But there was a lot. I, I love this movie. I really do. So that's that. I have two things I want to talk about left, and then we're going to end this. And it's kind of good that actually it took me a bit to record this week's episode because these two things uh, just came up yesterday, actually. So I wanted to... The first one I'm not going to be too animated about. Uh, Andrew Lincoln is reportedly leaving Walking Dead after season nine. And all I want to say to that is... I know that it's like the cool in 2018 thing, you know, to say that Walking Dead sucks. I hate this show. Okay, that's good. Stop watching. You know, I I don't care. These people that always have to write on the internet, this show sucks. Okay, well, don't watch it. Like, why are you following accounts that are talking about it? But whatever. Anyways, I, my personal thing is, is that if Andrew Lincoln is going to leave The Walking Dead, I think the show needs to end itself because... There's a lot of people that I know that I've talked to personally. There's a lot of comments I've seen online where have said where people have said, I watched this film or this this film, this TV series because of Andrew Lincoln. If you're going to take Rick Grimes off the show, I think it's time to call it quits. There are some people that are gonna tell you that they think the show should have called it quits after season six or after season five. Eh, maybe. I think myself personally, it's kind of walking dead. It's not so much it's one of my favorite shows anymore, but I think it's just kind of the Sunday ritual. You know, watch Walking Dead on Sunday night. Um, and, I mean, it airs during the fall and winter when, you know, it's cold outside, people don't go out as much and whatnot. So what do you do on a Sunday night? If you're not watching football, you're watching Walking Dead. Um, so I don't know. I I heard that yesterday. I saw the reports and whatnot. I, th- I believe Collider was the... Uh, initial report and then bloody disgusting Hollywood reporter and all them. They were all reporting it too. Anyways, I don't know. I still watch walking dead. It's not something that I, you know, overly thrilled about anymore or whatnot. I just kind of watch it to watch it. There's some good episodes. There's some filler episodes. There's some bullshit episodes. I mean, it's, it's a show that's been running for a long time. And, what with, you know, actors that come and go and whatnot and, you know, trying to keep it different from the comics while following the comics and whatnot. I mean, it's it's a show that's going to start having some messy seasons. Uh, this past one was not that good. You know, it. I enjoyed uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan, but even that, after seeing it for so long, it was kind of like, okay, well, he's Negan. Well, let's move on. Um 
But I, anyways, in terms of Andrew Lincoln, if he leaves the the show, I think if I if myself personally, anyways, and I know AMC doesn't give a flying fucking a rat's ass what I think, but um, I think season nine should be the final season, and I don't even think they should wait for a renewal. They should just say, you know what, this is our final season. We're gonna go out, uh, on a high note with you know saying goodbye to Rick, and I mean Maggie, uh, Lauren Cohen. I believe is only contracted for maybe like six episodes this coming season. She's doing like half a season. That's two main characters that are gone. Glenn is gone now. Uh, I did read somewhere where they said that they might continue the series, but have Daryl as the lead. I don't hate Norman Reedus. I just don't find he's lead actor material. Um, I don't know that you could base a series off of him, but I don't want to sit here and like, you know, talk bad about the dude or whatever, because he's not a horrible actor. It's just, I don't think he's lead actor material, but I mean, that's my opinions, not yours. And it is what it is. Walking Dead's going to do what Walking Dead's going to do. It's just myself personally, Rick goes, I think the show needs to go. So now for the other part of my, uh, two-part headline segment this week. And it was really cool for me. Unfortunately, most of the internet, I think, doesn't agree with me. So, Todd McFarlane announced last night that as part of the Jason Blum, like the Jason Blum, the Blumhouse Productions uh, revival, renewal, reboot, whatever you want to call it, uh, the new Todd McFarlane Spawn film has now achieved or not achieved but attained their lead actor jamie fox and i you know i initially saw this and i was like that's pretty good casting he's a good actor uh he doesn't get the credit he deserves i find and i mean uh, as i saw many people bring up about his portrayal of electro in uh spider-man 2 uh, or well, like the second Spider-Man. What was it? The Amazing Spider-Man, I think, is what the second one was called, with uh, Andrew Garfield. Okay, so yeah, his Electro not that good. The problem is, is that script was shit. Okay, so you can't ask a good actor to take a shitty script and make it gold. It Jack Nicholson can't pull off this kind of feat. Robert De Niro can't pull off this kind of feat. Like as great as those two actors are, they will even tell you, you give us a shitty script the movie's going to come out shitty. Like, there's nothing you can do with that. You can have an actor act his fucking ass off. But if the script is shit, the movie will be shit. And so, yes, Jamie Foxx's Electro was garbage. But is that all his fault? No. Come on. Let's not be fucking stupid here. So, anyways, Todd McFarlane posted it yesterday, and I start seeing the vitriol on the internet. And, I mean, like, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not shocked by this. I mean, this is... You know, 2018, the fucking internet. It's a lot of the reason why I make a lot of sarcastic comments about how much I hate the internet. I don't actually hate the internet, but I just hate the idiots on it. Uh, so, and don't even get me started on Roseanne. Fuck that bitch. She got what she deserved. But anyways, so, they announced that Jamie Foxx is the new spawn. I see the hatred on the internet, and I'm like, okay, I fucking had it. Like, we're dissing a movie here that we don't even know what the script is about. We haven't seen one goddamn visual. We haven't even seen what Spawn will look like. Well, I mean, we know 
we know what Spawn will look like, but seeing Jamie Foxx as Spawn, seeing Jamie Foxx in that role, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. Let's give them some fucking time to work on it and then make our judgments. Okay, let's see a trailer. Let's go see the fucking movie maybe even. Like, I am so sick and tired, and I know that me bitching about this isn't going to change a goddamn thing. If anything, I'm going to lose a few listeners who will be like, well, I hated it, so fuck you too. Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um... (laughs) I I understand people have opinions and opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. I get it. I, I totally understand it, but it's gotten to a point where like someone can't even be proud of something on the internet without someone coming along and saying, watch this. I'm going to kick you right in your fucking nuts. Todd McFarlane was excited last night to, to post a boat that he got Jamie Foxx. Now, hasn't it been proven more than enough times that actors that we think can't play roles and then all of a sudden it's like boom they play the best role we've ever seen and it's like we're all eating you know eating our feet and eating our words and all that other fun bullshit it's beyond pathetic the way people you know we're totally trashing this or saying i'm done with this film and this and that i i'm to a point where i i can't even deal with this shit anymore and this is a lot of the reason why I hate Twitter because Twitter people are fucking assholes on Twitter. You know, it was kind of interesting and I, I know I'm kind of throwing it back to their podcast again, but on the say you love Satan podcast, uh, Jesse specifically says, you know, we're all about lifting people up. We don't believe in cutting people down. I wish more people had that attitude. I wish more people in this world were about, you know, trying to give someone a boost. There are people that are trying. Todd McFarlane is trying to make a decent Spawn film. Jason Blum is going to be behind it. The Blumhouse Productions are going to be behind it. They're going to try and make a decent film. Let's, you know, you don't like the casting? Okay, well, so what? Get over it because that's your new Spawn. And wouldn't it be beautiful if he does an amazing job? Yes, Michael Jai White. Everyone's like, oh, well, he's the only Spawn for me. Well, he's the only Spawn we've had. But... We haven't had a chance to see someone else. It, it takes me back to the whole idea with Solo. And when, as I was, was talking about Solo, and I said, like, Alden Ehrenreich was not Harrison Ford. No, he tried. He tried. You could tell he was trying. I know that a lot of, um, I had read that a, a lot of coaching had been involved with, uh, you know, his portrayal and whatnot. And I understand it. It's, it's rough. It's hard. You know, I, I know myself personally, I couldn't pull off a Harrison Ford. I mean, we've all heard, you know, it. for those of us who listen to Hollywood Babylon and whatnot, you know, Ralph Garman can do a pretty funny in, imitation of Harrison Ford, but can he act like Harrison Ford? No. Harrison Ford is a, a specific kind of actor. Um, a spawn is a specific type of character. And yes, it's it. Do I think Jamie Foxx can do it? I think with the right director, I think with the right script, I think with the right approach. Yeah, I think he can do it. I've seen him in some films that he's a damn good fucking actor. Django Unchained, he was great in. Uh, One of my favorite movies, and this kind of leads to my uh, love for the sport of football and whatnot, but Any Given Sunday. He's both funny and he's a damn good actor in that movie. Um, He has some serious parts in it. He has some hilarious parts in it. I mean, a football player who pukes on the sidelines before he goes out, it's kind of funny and whatnot. But I mean... 
he is a good actor. And I know I'm only mentioning two roles out of the countless roles he's been in and whatnot. Those are just the first two that always pop into my head when I, you know, think of Jamie Foxx. I think he's going to do a great job with Spawn. I think people need to shut the fuck up. I think people need to let these men do their job and these women do their jobs. And, you know, this cast and crew need to come together. This this new Spawn film, I'm excited for. Now, I realize I could be like many other people, go to the theater, see this movie, and go, what a pile of shit. But I might walk into that theater walking out feeling completely ecstatic and surprised and like holy shit that's the spawn movie i never thought i wanted you know and now i have it i need more um we all know that that original spawn film i believe 1999 was when it came out kick-ass soundtrack the movie is a decent movie i'm not gonna lie but the cg was dated you know i you watch it today and it's like well it's still a good story and i mean john leguizamo as clown was fucking awesome i loved him as that character violator clown whatever you want to call him but and we don't even know who's going to play that role yet so that should be interesting to see the casting um but i mean it's kind of like pet cemetery their remake you know we got um what's his name john lithgow is going to play judd crandall now we know that's not going to look like fred gwynn's judd crandall but hey it might be really fucking cool i i'm looking forward to this i some people are a little sour because of, you know, Stephen King's it movie, you know, it wasn't what they wanted. And other people are walked into that and walked out going, that was fucking amazing. I'm, I lean more to the, I wouldn't say it was amazing, but I really did enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy the it remake. I'm looking forward to the second part, but at the same time, it was it what I wanted. Not really, but what I did see, I liked. So, Hey, you know what? I'm going to approach this this Spawn film the same way. Like, I don't know what I want from it yet. Like, I know I want it to be decent. I know I want it to be, you know, they're saying it's going to be a lot darker and more, you know, um, like uh, horror-driven. I'm hoping for that. That's definitely one of the parts I'm really hoping for. But I'm not going to knock this just because we have the lead actor and, oh, well, I didn't see this coming or it's not who I wanted. Well, who the fuck cares? Like, I saw, like, Idris Elba was mentioned. And who else? Well, Michael Jai White. Everybody's like, oh, I want Michael Jai White back, which, don't get me wrong. Like, we've seen him on Arrow in, in past seasons as Bronze Tiger. Like, he's definitely in shape. He definitely looks good. Yeah, he could probably portray the role again. But why not give a new actor a, a new chance at it? I did also see some people were saying that they were tired of seeing the same actors in comic book movies, which sometimes I tend to agree with that. But at the same time, if they're the only actors who will play that role, then I don't know. I mean, one thing I did kind of agree with a little bit is somebody was saying they thought, you know, wouldn't it make sense to get an unknown and have an unknown actor play that role? Yeah, I could understand that. It, I think sometimes the unknown actors don't get the recognition they deserve. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of actors that would be you know would totally eat up that that chance to be a lead in a, a movie and whatnot. But the thing is, is unfortunately the way Hollywood works and the way filmmakers look at it is we need that big name to bring people into the seats. Uh, you even see it with independent films. You know, a lot of the times they'll try to get like. You know, your Clue Gulligers or your Linnea Quigley's to come into these films because 
all it takes is that one name and you'll get, you know, an extra 20 people sitting in that theater because of that name. You know, Robert Englund is one. Does a lot of, in, um, not, I don't want to say independent, but like lower budget films. He'll have his like five minute cameo in the film just enough so that they could announce Robert Englund's in this movie. Now, how many more people just showed up because, hey, Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger's in this. I got to go see it. Um, so sometimes I understand why they don't go with an unknown uh, for a lead role. All in all, though, I mean, I more or less, my point is, is that I guess, let's be honest, the internet is not a place for me. <laughs> it's just not. But I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing last night. Is like, I, I could and I couldn't. I mean, I expected on the internet, but it was like some of the comments I was reading. It's like, you know, especially uh, on a day when Roseanne's TV show got canceled because of her racist bullshit attitude. And this is the shit. Like, I saw a lot of racist comments. It's like, okay, first of all, like, I know I can't even go there. I'm not even going to start on this shit because it's it's going to lead me down a path where I'm going to say something that's really going to offend somebody because racists are assholes it's that simple um but yeah so that's my thoughts on it you know i do i do i think jamie fox is a you know a good lead for uh for spawn yes i do i i do i think with the right director and the right script i think it's going to be awesome and i'm going to leave it at that i'm done for this episode guys i have talked a lot you guys have all been you know fucking amazing and listening um so thank you so much uh where to find the podcast uh oh and before i even go there uh just so you guys know what's coming up for the month of june okay so e3 is coming up uh the electronic uh what is it fuck electronic something expo or whatever wow i'm fucking stupid today but anyways E3 is coming up, which deals with a lot of video games and whatnot. Uh, Bethesda apparently just announced today that you know Fallout 76 is coming and whatnot. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of like little hints and a lot of rumors coming out. Apparently, there's a new Batman Arkham game on the way. There's a new Superman game on the way. Rocksteady's doing that one. Um, you know, we've been hearing a lot of, of shit and anything. Hack. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I'm I'm tired and. Probably shouldn't be podcasting, but I love you guys too much, and I wanted to give you your show. So, uh, anyways, the E3 thing. So I decided I was like, okay, I'm I'm not a huge gamer by any means necessary. I I, I don't know video games very well, but I know movies of video games, and I thought, you know what, to kind of celebrate the whole E3 thing, uh, which I will be talking about uh, E3 and what you know some of the discoveries we find out from it and whatnot. I will be talking about those, obviously, but... Uh, anyways, to celebrate the whole idea of E3, I thought, you know what I'm going to do is, for the month of June, I'm going to review movies that came from video games. And I know there was a bit of confusion online. A couple people were commenting, saying, oh, talk about, like, The Last of Us, and talk about uh, Resident Evil 7 and whatnot. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know the video games that well enough to do that or I would uh, but I do know the movies I've watched a lot of movies based on video games most of them are pretty bad some of, are, some of them are good but most of them are pretty bad or they're just really guilty pleasures of mine so I'm going to have fun with that next month and do some uh, horror movie horror movies that were based off video games I'm going to do that I'll talk about a few video games that I've played and whatnot. 
but um, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge gamer. But uh, in, in terms of just like thematically, I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about video games and what like video game movies and whatnot. So so that's what's coming next month. Uh, Resident Evil will definitely get talked about. Silent Hill will definitely talk to, get talked about. Uh, Doom was a uh, a request from a listener, Jacob. He uh, requested the Doom movie, so I'm going to torture myself and watch that again. As much as I... It's a hard movie to watch, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to review it just for him because he did request it. And uh, then I'm not telling you what the fourth film is because I'm going to surprise all you motherfuckers with that one. So you'll enjoy it. Trust me, you'll enjoy it. I'm going to tear the shit out of a movie that I absolutely fucking hate. So... (laughs) Um, but anyways, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said, um, I'm basically going to tell you where you can go on the interwebs to find the podcast, find me, whatever. And I'm out of here. I, I, hopefully you guys found this episode entertaining, if anything, for how fucking dumb I sound this week. Because my brain is just jello and mush and not sleeping right. The heat, uh, just being all over the place. Hopefully next week I am got my shit together a little bit more um anyways podcast so obviously you're listening to it so you downloaded it where you downloaded it from whether it be itunes google uh podcast addict or nextlevelradioonline.com and there's a lot of other podcasts there i talk about this every week i post a lot of the links to the different podcasts dc primetime panels uh panels to pixels two fat dudes con talk um, there's a lot of good podcasts on there. Melting Pad is another one. And Melting Pad is very consistent. Week, weekly episodes all the time. So uh, you can check those out for sure. Uh, Facebook page for What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero is exactly that. Facebook.com slash What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Instagram at What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Twitter at WLB Podcast underscore zero. Uh, letterbox.com which I actually gained uh, a few followers this morning, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, but letterbox.com slash WLB underscore podcast zero. And there's the Redbubble store, uh, redbubble.com slash people slash podcast number zero. Don't write the word, write the number. And that's it for me. Next week, probably going to kick off the E3 month with Resident Evil that more than likely will be the selection of the week and hopefully I have my shit together I don't sound like uh, a bibbling idiot like I have this week thank you so much for listening thank you Say You Love Satan for the shout out this week thank you to the Next Level Network for having me I'm done, I'm out and I hope you've had a great experience listening to this bumbling, babbling bullshit of a podcast episode it wow fuck it's just been that kind of a fucking episode and i'm out have a great week guys